If I had a two-hour lunch with someone and they wanted to know, what's your worldview? This is the way I would describe it. You really have to get passionate about reaching them so that you know you can you know, be thinking late at night, you know, while, while you're in bed, you know, how can I reach this person? We may all need to be writing our own books or creating versions of books we are obsessed and passionate about. You know, we have the best information as a people and we want to package that information in a really creative, attractive way to help it get in front of the right people and lead them into a relationship with Jesus. Welcome to the Hive Podcast. You're listening to your number one resource for missional entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Vincent Bujor, and I have two guests here with me this morning. Jared Thurman, pastor of the Adairsville SDA Church, and Chris Matz, owner of Advent Digital Marketing. A couple years ago, these two guys sat down and said to each other, hey, let's reach out to our local community here in Georgia with the online marketing skills we have. Let's create a brand new series about the Bible. They called it Love and War, and that series went viral. Now we're going to talk about that series. We're also going to talk about evangelism, about innovation, and about obviously missional entrepreneurship. Now, let's get right into it. The first question I asked them was, why did you start this new series? I began uh, as a lay pastor of my local church, uh, boy, I don't know, it's been three, four years ago now, somewhere on there, somewhere in the middle of that. And Chris and I met along that way. So I started to learn how amazingly talented he was. And we started to think of how could you do things on a digital basis to inspire people with the amazing message of scripture like never before. Um, historically, revival or evangelism type meetings have been in person. And we really thought, you know, the way you reach people today has got to be on their own time, their own device. And so we began to hatch this idea. It just so happened that the time it really came to fruition, it uh, it was when COVID was breaking out. So that was the wild thing of the whole matter. And so, yeah, the series was called Love and War. And it was, it's basically a 10-part series taking people through uh, the story of good and evil uh, and trying to do it in a way that's attractive to people in story form format. So uh, we we found that uh, there's a way you can be inclusive. People love stories. And so, yeah, it was really, really inspiring to see how it all came together and how it launched there in the beginning of, of the pandemic, I think 2020. So that was some of the initial details from the beginning. Now, what, what did you guys do differently? I mean, I mean, you know, churches nowadays they have you know videos they put on youtube they live stream their service and uh, they just like you know maybe put an ad on facebook uh click here to watch this or i don't know like what was so what was so unique about your approach here so um i i think uh for me you know when i met jared he was definitely you know a pastor who was trying a lot of creative things and being innovative uh he wasn't trying to do the typical things that you know, churches were even with uh, the live stream sermons that Jared was doing. And Jared, you can speak a little bit more into this, but 
Um, you'd pre-record those, I believe, on a Friday, and they would be done with a beautiful environment, like background was, you know, in a in a field somewhere. He would have props, or he would he would just make it very um, about quality because we just kind of, you know, at least in my experience, when I'd watch church sermons online, um, you know, you'd you'd have all the liturgy in there still. You'd have all of these different things that you kind of zone out in, you know, you, you'd be more challenging to really pay attention and watch it just because of the quality. Whereas Jared's content that he was producing in his church was higher quality and really intentional about curating it for an audience who is trying to watch it from home. And so I think that's a big reason why that, that content was you know, successful and, you know, the Love and War series and everything after that, I think, um, continue to build on those foundational things. Yeah, amazing. Um, now, tell, tell us, guys, what, what happened uh, once you launched this? Um, how did the audience receive it? How did your church receive it? How did uh, people from the outside receive this? Uh, what happened? Yeah, it was a great response. The local church felt like it was a tool they could share with people they loved, cared for, and did it in a way that was just very inviting. We're in an age where people love to binge watch, so we thought this would be a great opportunity. I think Chris and I found that in the first 24 to 48 hours, 20 plus percent of people were binge watching all 10 episodes within. So they'd start it in 48 hours and they'd finish it uh, within that same window. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, but it became a great sharing tool. I think just the quality, the thoughtfulness. I think for me, a big thing is many times Christians are talking to the choir. Adventists are very guilty of this. I've been guilty of this. And uh, so this was very much a, hey, let's tell somebody. The whole emphasis or impetus for the idea was if I had a two-hour lunch with someone and they wanted to know what's your worldview, this is the way I would describe it. So you got to put it in a story format where people find something interesting. And so... Uh, yeah, it became a great way for people to share. We started to see, I don't know, millions of views and just tried to create a little funnel where people could connect, engage, share their reactions to it. Uh, and we had people wanting to support it. So we said, hey, here's what we do. All the money that comes in, let's just keep doubling down into the advertising of it. Uh, boy, there was adventures along the way getting kicked off Facebook. At that time, I think it was pre the election. So everybody was on edge about how you were advertising, what you were saying. So we tried to be really strategic about not using any keywords that would easily get you flagged. And so, yeah, it was, it was pretty neat to just experience all that, navigate it all, learn a ton and, and yeah, see it take off. You know, it was really nice to see the data, um, support the idea of people binge watching, you know, traditionally with an evangelistic series, they have to wait night after night to come and receive the message, whereas here they could consume all of the message, um, all of the messages in, you know, a very you know, short amount of time and keep them engaged and, you know, really strike while the iron's hot. Um, so that was really awesome to see the data support that. And um, we, we really notice that, um, you know, 
targeting a larger, I'll speak from an advertising perspective here, targeting a larger audience, you know, around the country um, or doing different countries was much more affordable as well. Um, so trying to reach a, a large audience in our advertising costs was, was really affordable um, versus just targeting locally as well. So that's another thing we learned. Are you allowed to, to share some numbers with me? Like maybe say like, I don't know if you have, you know, how many people watched it, how many people responded. I, did you have some Bible studies, baptisms, the new disciples, all that stuff? I don't know. I don't, I don't even have them handy. Millions of people watched it. Hundreds of Bible studies. People got baptized. Yeah, maybe even over a thousand Bible studies. Honestly, there was, yeah, it, it is tough. And like, Jared, you still get um, emails every week. Yeah. Yeah. And Vincent, I think that's a key point to consider that everybody counts everything, but the the, num the numbers, we know the numbers in a particular denomination are easily hijacked. We know they're often miscounted and there doesn't seem to be any value in the counting. So I would, I would propose stop counting, counting, start counting seeds. How many, how many seeds have we cast out there rather than what's been the result? And some people may say, well, that's reckless. No, it, it really causes you to cast your bread upon many waters. You don't know what will prosper, this or that. And so for Chris and I, it's keep going, keep pushing it out there. The results will come. If the harvest is truly plenty, like the promise is made, well, then it's, it's I don't think Chris or I's burden is, well, how many are going to respond? So to answer your question on data, we didn't really keep track. I mean, I've got a document with 300 testimonies where after a while, I'm like, you know, I should start, I should start saving these. And so I put those and save those. And that's been encouraging to definitely the people who've seen like what's been the results. But sorry to disappoint. We probably haven't kept the data like we should. Um, maybe with this new series, we can try and find better ways to keep the data. Because um, <laughs> I, I love data, to be honest. Yeah, no, but I mean, it, it tells us an important factor because, you know, we're not doing this for the data, right, guys? I mean, you are not there to to kind of like, you know, say at the end, you know, oh, we did a good job because X people got baptized, whatever, right? And and, and so we're, the motive is a different one and should be a different one. I appreciate that you, you brought up this point. Um, I have I have another thing that you mentioned that I want to kind of uh, piggyback on. Um, this is uh, about quality. Now, Chris, you mentioned that Jared, when he records his sermons, it's, it's a lot about quality um, and people enjoy watching that um, compared to what, you know, unfortunately many of our churches do we just you know don't have a lot of i guess time to invest into quality i don't know what it is so my question to you both is why don't we see that high quality standard in in more churches uh when we do these projects um what what is holding us back here it's definitely not money so like just to pick on our church we bought this camera system that was for live streaming and it wasn't cheap it's what is used now but during that time, it was the graciousness of my brother-in-law to take time to film it on his camera, which wasn't, well, let me just be clear. It was probably a camera that was 10% of the system in the church, but it was on a tripod. It was in creative locations. So I think that's a big deal. It didn't look like it was in a church. People scrolling through a timeline do not want to think they're being preached to by a guy in a church. So we ran some A-B experiments one account that didn't have anything to do with the church, one account that clearly was a church platform channel. 
the results in the engagement were drastically different. Um, the reputation of the Adventist Church Online, that's a reputation management project that millions of dollars could potentially begin to repair, but it's a, it's a long road ahead. So I don't think it's a monetary thing. I think it's a creativity barrier. What's the creative way to share this? Like if you're gonna talk about what happens when people die, that's not creative behind a pulpit. It is creative next to a tombstone, especially if it's in the middle of the night and the moon's out, you know, because you have to just picture the context. Most people think the dead are not dead. So play to that and then change the perspective. When I think about this, uh, I agree in terms of creativity. That's a big motivator, but I think really it just comes down to getting passionate about the people you want to reach. Like for Jared and, you know, the Adairsville church, they want to reach the lost. They want to reach people who don't look like them, who don't talk like them, who don't think like them. And, you know, when you get passionate about reaching that type of people, you figure out how to creatively get in front of them. And so I think it starts with that. And so if you go to, you know, Jared's church and you hear him preach on a Sabbath, he usually isn't preaching to the people who are sitting in the seats. He's preaching to someone who potentially just showed up um, that is not familiar with anything Seventh-day Adventist. And so he is intentionally trying to get in front of that audience and figuring out ways to reach them. And so I think if you really get passionate about reaching a specific type of audience, you'll get creative and you'll figure out a way to get in front of them. And so um, I think that's probably the main driver. Uh, I mean, if I was to assume a little bit, Jared, but that's probably the main driver of why all of the creative juices have flowed and all these things have been developed and all these different efforts and attempts have happened. It's just out of a, a passion for trying to reach this type of audience. Yeah, I think that's really accurate, Chris. And I would say, you know, Vincent, a lot of people are going to be listening to this are entrepreneurs or innovators in their workplace. And so they'll probably be familiar with personas. And I think for Chris and I, it was that from the very beginning. Who are we talking to? And that was really the change point in my life when I present on any topic, but, but definitely on spiritual themes. Who am I talking to? And I had a epiphany that I need to talk to somebody who this will be the first or last time they ever hear these ideas. And for me, it was, yeah, it's been a paradigm shift. So as it relates with what we created, it was very much, I hope I'm talking to people that have never heard this and may never hear it again. And that was, that's, that's the path of my life now. I try, and really it's how do you use different words? How do you describe things differently? For example, I don't like to use the word sin anymore. That just has connotations. Is this a Catholic thing? Is it, uh, is it murder? Um, I use the definition uh, from Ellen White describes all sin is selfishness. In the book of heaven, there's a book written under the heading of selfishness, all the sins, which are just selfish acts. That was a paradigm shift. So, so condemn selfishness and people will relate. Now they understand what sin is. Now they, now they can relate with you. Where, you know, to some that may sound like heresy, but if, if the theology we believe is not actually hitting at a practical level, at a local level, and is not affecting our workday Monday, our love life Monday, 
the way we love our kids Monday, the way we do our, our life, every little aspect of it, then it's a bunch of theoretical knowledge that I absolutely believe should be thrown out. Wow. I appreciate you guys sharing that. That's uh, some powerful stuff. I, I want to continue this after a short break. So we'll be right back and we'll talk about more lessons that both Jared and Chris learned as they went through this experience. Both are, in fact, serial entrepreneurs and I'm sure they have a lot more to share. I hope time permits for us to do that. So we'll be right back after a short break, guys, and I'll see you then. Did you know that an Adventist college totally disrupted the dairy industry, had the U.S. president's wife visit, and received publicity in all major national and international newspapers? It's the most powerful example of missional entrepreneurship of the 20th century, and we want to continue with its vision today. Just click on the link in the description below and learn more about Madison College and the Hive Business School. So I think one of the things that was interesting, if anybody listening that's trying to figure out, well, how do you convince an, uh, a board or uh, fellow innovators to do something pretty different? And this was really different. And I remember, I didn't even think Chris was in the business meeting at our church. Hey, we want to try something totally different. We're going to do digital. And it was like, digital is not real. This doesn't even make sense. A lot of fair pushback. And I think it was, hey, let's try it. Let's just test it out and see. And for me, the metric was, if people will respond enough to tell us that the thing we created impacted their life and how, I think that'll be the currency that allows people to see this is something we need to get behind. And so we've started to just really make a point to share those often, often, every single week. And as the more that came in, the more people saw, wow, this is actually reaching people. And then I think where it, where it really hit home was when it started to impact the lives of the people around our our members specifically and so i think that was a big deal and i think our church grew in light of it and it's been great to hear other churches are growing in similar veins uh, having somewhat of an evangelistic outreach minded agenda rather than just you know for the saints so so yeah i think i just wanted to share that story amen thank you now now, as entrepreneurs, we are in touch with many people uh, every single day, and and we are, you know, probably also thinking about more innovative ways to interact with them, to sh- to reflect Christ's love, and to uh, to reach them. Now, what are some some things that you guys can share? Uh, you know, we are we call ourselves a community of missional entrepreneurs, and we're not just some average random people like entrepreneurs who just do business for business sake, right? We do it to reach souls, and 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 how can we use the the the, the whole story? What you just told me, um, how can we use the lessons you learned even before and after that, um, and and kind of apply that to our entrepreneurial life? I would say that if you can get passionate about a certain people group, maybe it's a people group that you relate to personally, or um, just a way to get, you know people as a burden on your heart to where you want to reach them and you want to see them saved you want to see them in the kingdom I mean it really starts there and then from there you'll be able to come up with the different ways to reach them now you know our workplace should be a place where we're trying to win you know our co-workers our 
know, bosses or our employees or, or whatnot. And um, you know, you can you can definitely do that. And I think that it's you know it's probably the more efficient way to do evangelism because you're around these people all the time. Um, but you really have to get passionate about reaching them, so that you know you can you know, be thinking late at night, you know, while while you're in bed, you know, how can I reach this person? Because I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, you know, for me, like outside of this this project, you know, I I've got a business and I play I I pray with the people who who work for me and I pray with and for our clients and I think just integrating a, a really solid prayer life into your everyday practice of whatever business or you know, ministry you have, I think is critical. Um, and just inviting God into your your workplace, inviting Him into your relationships with people, um, I think that will really uh, prove to be successful. I think a lot of times we, in the business community, it's hard because it's like, well, I don't want to be a weirdo whacking religion down people's throats. But then we, what we do is, well, I'm going to make money and then I'll support mission. And I love that Hive is about blending those two ideas. So for me, it's, I think there should be metrics in place of how are you doing that intentionally on a daily basis? How, how are, and you know, we can often justify things. Well, we're kind to our customers. Yes, kindness is a big deal. And I think it's the most important of all spiritual things. But the Ritz-Carlton is also very kind. If you want to stay in business these days, you better be really kind. Um, Just to touch on Chris's last point, I think one of the things to start to ask is, you know, the golden rule describes, I love one version, it's ask whatever it is you would want someone to do for you, do for them. So really to, to, in a, from a design thinking perspective, Put yourself in the shoes of someone out there and say, okay, if I was that person and I was doing business with my business, how would I want them to share spiritual things with me? How would I want them to broach that? How would I want it to feel not forced where they just sent me this book by someone named Ellen White or where they just shoved a Bible in a box of goods I ordered? Like, how does it feel like uniquely this company cares for me and my spiritual well-being and they did this to prove that? uniquely that another company could not have done. So we may not, we may all need to be writing our own books or creating versions of books we are obsessed and passionate about that are unique for our industry or business or whatever it may be, that, so that it really gives a, a genuine reason of why we share this book and how it inspires our company. But, but yeah, I think having those metrics in place are very helpful and finding a literally deliberate way, spiritual conversations in this country, you know, more people identify with their political party now than their religion in America, recent study. So, you know, just knowing that when I tell you, if I say the words, hey, I'm a Christian and you're a gay entrepreneur who's been in business for 20 years in America, the odds are you think, oh, well, interesting. So you hate me. And there's other six or eight other groups I know you hate, you know, pick the unique minority persuasion that someone would say, well, Christians hate my group of people. 
The truth is you want to disassociate, at least in my opinion, I want to disassociate myself from any stereotypes you already have to the point where I may not introduce, hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, these are some values I profess and like to be held accountable to, not only as an individual, but as a company. This is what we believe. You got to make it more attractive. I just feel like we're easily lumped into, well, are you with us or against us? And it's like, Jesus was very clear. This is the path I'm walking. To the to the religious right Pharisees, they didn't like that. But to the liberal left Sadducees, well, they didn't like that. And I think we need to fight the temptation of partisan politics, especially relates with our religion right now, of be willing to stand apart, think differently. There is a group of people out there that are, are attracted to that and are looking for that rather than what's the mob think and how do I fit in right with the mob. So uh, by the mob, I mean the majority. So yeah, I think I think being deliberate and intentional, measuring that way. How are you sharing your unique worldview with people in your business is a big deal. Wow. And you know, I, I think that this is so crucial. And the problem is that many of us neglect that because even if we have that thought, we might say, well, I don't really have time for that. It's so much easier, like you guys say, to... Uh, you know, just put a Bible into the box of the products that you're shipping and you say, well, I, I've done my spiritual duty. I'm done for today, right? But how much more time and effort and energy and prayer and commitment does it take for someone to actually like, like you say, Jared, like write down your own version, like think about how you're going to do this. It's a, it's a, it's a total paradigm shift. Yeah. Now, Wrapping up here, I, I want to ask you to, what's your vision for missional entrepreneurship? What's your vision for the people, uh, for the for the authentic Christians of today? Like, how should we behave? What what, do you, what dreams do you have? What do you want to see um, in in a few years, in a couple years, uh, kind of um, happening? Um, yeah, maybe you can share some things. I would say we just want to help the people who we really are passionate about reaching the the very secular minded individuals we want to build a bridge that's very scalable for them to get to know jesus and we want to use a lot of digital marketing strategies um, and as new platforms emerge as new ways of doing things emerge uh, we don't want to hold back we want to test and implement and try every single thing that we have at our disposal um, we believe that there's no better opportunity to strike than now um, than this because our time is short um, we're seeing so much uh, going on with censorship and you know information i believe thoroughly that if you can control the information of a generation then you can ultimately control that generation and i think that Right now we're in a, a war with information and you know we have the best information as a people and we want to package that information in a really creative attractive way to help it um, get in front of the right people so that they'll be receptive to it and ultimately that information we don't just want to be knowledge and information in their brains but we want it to be transformation in their hearts um, that would lead them into a relationship with Jesus ultimately. Now, I don't think we can get into all the different ways we plan on doing that, but 
that's uh, kind of the overall idea. Yeah, good good stuff, Chris. And I would just add, Vincent, that um, create, uh, for all of us to have these customer journeys with whatever thing we're putting our hand to, to know where in the mix conversations may be had, should be had, to be intentional about making those a part of the journey. But I also think, to Chris's point, there is no greater source of truth, and I think Chris and I resonate with this, than, and I want to be very specific here, than the books which underlie the Advent movement. And so I hope everyone will read into what I'm saying, but the books that hold the answers are the source of truth. May not be found at at the local uh, place where you would think it should be found. So go to the sources. That's where the, the source of truth is at. And boy, just like John Harvey Kellogg was was innovatively and technologically and et cetera, entrepreneurially ahead of everyone else in the realm, at least by five years, by paying attention to the writings of his friend who put him through medical school. I think today we would do well to pay attention to some of those same sources to put us uh, at the bleeding edge of society and culture. And uh, that will be the crossroads of where innovation takes place with business's mission, I think, especially. <laughs>